Book Fifth, Chapter One of Ben Hur by Lew Wallace. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Book Fifth. Only the actions of the just smell sweet and blossom in the dust. Surely. And through the heat of conflict keeps the law in calmness made and sees what he foresaw. Wordsworth. Chapter One. The morning after the Bacchanalia in the saloon of the palace, the divan was covered with young patricians. Maxentius might come, and the city thronged to receive him. The legion might descend from Mount Sulpius in glory of arms and armor. From Nymphaeum to Omphalus, there might be ceremonial splendors to shame the most notable ever before seen or heard of in the gorgeous east. Yet would the many continue to sleep ignominiously on the divan, where they had fallen, or been carelessly tumbled by the indifferent slaves. That they would be able to take part in the reception that day was about as possible for the lay figures in the studio of a modern artist to rise and go bonneted and plumed through the one-two-three of a waltz. Not all, however, who participated in the orgy were in the shameful condition. When dawn began to peer through the skylights of the saloon, Masala arose and took the chaplet from his head, in sign that the revel was at end. Then he gathered his robe about him, gave a last look at the scene, and, without a word, departed for the quarters. Cicero could not have retired with more gravity from a night-long senatorial debate. Three hours afterwards two couriers entered his room, and from his own hand received each a dispatch, sealed and in duplicate, consisting chiefly of a letter, to Valerius Gratus, the procurator, still resident in Caesarea. The importance attached to the speedy and certain delivery of the paper may be inferred. One courier was to proceed over land, the other by sea. Both were to make the utmost haste. It is of great concern now that the reader should be fully informed of the contents of the letter thus forwarded, and it is accordingly given. Antioch, 12th Calends, Uliae. Masala to Gratis. O my Midas, I pray thou take no offense at the address, seeing it is one of love and gratitude, and an admission that thou art most fortunate among men. Seeing also that thy ears are as thy were derived from thy mother, only proportionate to thy matured condition. O my Midas, I have to relate to thee an astonishing event, which, though as yet somewhat in the field of conjecture, will, I doubt not, justify thy instant consideration. Allow me first to revive thy recollection. Remember, a good many years ago, a family of a prince of Jerusalem, incredibly ancient and vastly rich, by name, Ben-Hur. If thy memory have a limp or ailment of any kind there is, if I mistake not, a wound on thy head which may help thee to a revival of the circumstance. Next, to arouse thy interest, in punishment of the attempt upon thy life, for dear repose of conscience, may all the gods forbid it should ever prove to have been an accident. The family were seized and summarily disposed of, and their property confiscated. And inasmuch, O my Midas, as the action had the approval of our Caesar, who was as just as he was wise, be there flowers upon his altars forever. There should be no shame in referring to the sums which were realized to us respectively from that source, for which it is not possible I can ever cease to be grateful to thee, certainly not while I continue, as at present, in the uninterrupted enjoyment of the part which fell to me. In vindication of thy wisdom, a quality for which, as I am now advised, the son of Gordius, to whom I have boldly likened thee, was never distinguished among men or gods. 
I recall further that thou didst make disposition of the family of her, both of us at the time supposing the plan hit upon to be the most effective possible for the purposes in view, which were silence and delivery over to the inevitable but natural death. Thou wilt remember what thou didst with the mother and sister of the malefactor. Yet, if now I yield to a desire to learn whether they be living or dead, I know, from knowing the amiability of thy nature, O my gratis, that thou wilt pardon me as one scarcely less amiable than thyself. As more immediately essential to the present business, however, I take the liberty of inviting to thy remembrance the actual criminal was sent to the galleys a slave for life. So the precept ran, and it may serve to make the event which I am about to relate the more astonishing by saying here that I saw and read the receipt for his body delivered in course to the tribune commanding a galley. Thou mayst begin now to give me more especial heed, O my most excellent Phrygian. Referring to the limit of life at the oar, the outlaw thus justly disposed of should be dead, or, better speaking, some one of the three thousand Oceanides should have taken him to husband at least five years ago. And if thou wilt excuse a momentary weakness, O most virtuous and tender of men, inasmuch as I loved him in childhood, and also because he was very handsome, I used in much admiration to call him my Ganymede, he ought in right to have fallen into the arms of the most beautiful daughter of the family. Of opinion, however, that he was certainly dead, I have lived quite five years in calm and innocent enjoyment of the fortune for which I am in a degree indebted to him. I make the admission of indebtedness without intending it to diminish my obligation to thee. Now I am at the very point of interest. Last night, while acting as master of the feast for a party just from Rome, their extreme youth and inexperience appealed to my compassion. I heard a singular story. Maxentius, the consul, as you know, comes today to conduct a campaign against the Parthians. Of the ambitious who are to accompany him there is one, a son of the late Duumvir, Quintus Arius. I had occasion to inquire about him particularly. When Arius set out in pursuit of the pirates, whose defeat gained him his final honors, he had no family. When he returned from the expedition, he brought back with him an heir. Now be thou composed as becomes the owner of so many talents and ready sesterii. The son and heir of whom I speak is he whom thou didst send to the galleys, the very Ben-Hur, who should have died at his oar five years ago, returned now with fortune and rank, and possibly as a Roman citizen, to, well, thou art too firmly seated to be alarmed, but I, O oh my Midas, I am in danger, no need to tell thee of what. Who should know, if thou dost not? Sayest thou to all this, tut-tut, when Arius, the father by adoption, of this apparition from the arms of the most beautiful of the Oceanides, see above my opinion of what she should be, joined battle with the pirates, his vessel was sunk, and but two of all her crew escaped drowning, Arius himself, and this one, his heir. The officers who took them from the plank on which they were floating away, say the associate of the fortunate tribune was a young man who, when lifted to the deck, was in the dress of a galley slave. This should be convincing, to say the least. But lest thou say tut-tut again, I tell thee, O my Midas, that yesterday, by good chance, 
I have a vow to fortune and consequence. I met the mysterious son of Arius face to face, and I declare now that, though I did not then recognize him, he is the very Ben-Hur who was for years my playmate, the very Ben-Hur who, if he be a man, though of the commonest grade, must this very moment of my writing be thinking of vengeance, for so would I were I he. Vengeance not to be satisfied short of life. Vengeance for country, mother, sister, self, and, I say at last, though thou mayst think it would be first, for fortune lost. By this time, O oh good my benefactor and friend, my gratis, in consideration of the sisteriae in peril, their loss being the worst which could befall one of thy high estate, I quit calling thee after the foolish of old king of Phrygia. By this time, I say, meaning after having read me so far, I have faith to believe thou hast ceased saying tut-tut, and art ready to think what ought to be done in such emergency. It were vulgar to ask thee now what shall be done. Rather let me say, I am thy client. Or better yet, thou art my Ulysses, whose part it is to give me sound direction. And I please myself thinking I see thee when this letter is put into thy hand. I see thee read it once, thy countenance all gravity, and then again with a smile. Then, hesitation ended, and thy judgment formed, it is this, or it is that, wisdom like Mercury's, promptitude like Caesar's. The sun is now fairly risen. An hour hence two messengers will depart from my door, each with a sealed copy hereof. One of them will go by land, the other by sea. So important do I regard it that thou shouldst be early and particularly informed of the appearance of our enemy in this part of our Roman world. I will await thy answer here. Ben-Hur's going and coming will of course be regulated by his master, the consul, who, though he exert himself without rest day and night, cannot get away under a month. Thou knowest what work it is to assemble and provide for an army destined to operate in a desolate, townless country. I saw the Jew yesterday in the grove of Daphne, and if he be not there now, he is certainly in the neighborhood, making it easy for me to keep him in eye. Indeed, Wert thou to ask me where he is now, I should say, with the most positive assurance, he is to be found at the old orchard of palms, under the tent of the traitor Shech Adiram, who cannot long escape our strong hand. Be not surprised if Maxentius, at his first measure, places the Arab on ship for forwarding to Rome. I am so particular about the whereabouts of the Jew, because it will be important to thee. O illustrious, when thou comest to consider what is to be done, for already I know, and by the knowledge I flatter myself, I am growing in wisdom, that in every scream involving human action there are three elements always to be taken into account, time, place, and agency. If thou sayest this is the place, have thou then no hesitancy in trusting the business to thy most loving friend, who would be thy aptest scholar as well. Masala. End of chapter 1